we're really good at solving everyone else's problems always. Like I can find a solution for anybody's problem right now if you hand it to me. But so how come I can't find a solution for my problem? What's wrong with me that I can't figure it out for me, but I can figure it out for, you know, Joe Blow across the street. Hello and welcome to the Women and ADHD podcast. I'm your host, Katie Weber. We are going to jump right in to episode 35 in which I interview master holistic herbalist Shannon Stone. Shannon spent 15 years as a nurse, and about 10 years ago, she got more involved in herbs when she was experiencing a health problem that wasn't being properly managed with modern medicine. She says herbs helped her tremendously during that time, and since then, she has completed three degrees in herbalism and now helps other women who struggle with health issues such as endometriosis, fibromyalgia, PCOS, IBS, and of course, ADHD. Shannon and I also talk about what it was like to have undiagnosed ADHD while in such a stressful job like nursing, and I grill her all about how she and her husband decided to chuck it all and move into a camper to live a nomadic life with their children, their dogs, and even a parrot in tow. Now, Shannon is a font of information when it comes to herbs and ADHD, so I would highly suggest you get a pen and paper handy for this episode. Enjoy. Okay, so um, you ha- were diagnosed at 35, right? How yes. long ago was that? Um, two years and a few months ago. Oh, okay, cool. But all of your children are neurodiverse. Is your is your husband also neurodiverse? No, he is the only uh, neurotypical in the house, which is uh, both amazing and frustrating at the exact same time, you know? Yeah, I'm sure. But I feel like it's always good to have somebody in the house. We need someone <laughs> who can herd the squirrels, and he's very good exactly. at herding squirrels, trust me. He has years of experience now. Awesome. Okay. So, um, why don't we start out with you telling me about your diagnosis and kind of what led up to it and what were the signs that uh, finally made you feel like this was, this was a thing and, um, kind of how you went about it. Okay. All of my life, I was kind of always told that I seemed like, well, you seem like you have ADD because of like certain things that I would do and, you know, say, and I guess I kind of always had it in my head that it might be a possibility, But my parents were very much um, individuals who uh, don't take mental health very seriously. You know, if you go to a therapist, then there is definitely like, you know, something super wrong with you and, you know, you're, you're super crazy or something. You know, that's just very much how they felt. And so we didn't do a lot of like stuff like that. And so the thought of like going and getting a diagnosis was really like appalling to them that we would do that. So there was nothing wrong with me. I was just more overdramatic than the other kids, you know what I mean? And so it was kind of always there, but I did really well in school. I didn't have the typical hyperactivity everyone always associates with ADD. So they just, you know, I guess just never really thought about it. And I made it through nursing school fine and all this stuff. And so I just, and I did, I excelled well in my nursing career. I did really well in that and I loved it and I was able to really focus. So I never really thought anything beyond, oh, I just have some ADD traits, you know, when I was a kid. Um, well, then I got pregnant and had a baby and it was like my entire life just fell apart and went to hell. And I was like, what happened to this person that I always was? I was always able to get things done. And I, I maybe went right up to the deadline, but I got things done on time, you know, and I was able to do all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, like my house was a wreck and my car was falling apart and I couldn't clean anything to save my life. And I was struggling to care for her. And I was like, what in the world happened to me? Um, So basically that lasted for quite a number of years, just kind of, you know, muddling our way through. I can't tell you how many times I got her all the way to school. And, you know, I was a single parent at the time. So I was going to drop her off at daycare and then, you know, go to work. And we would get all the way there to the before school care uh, program. And she wouldn't have any shoes on or she would be missing like part of her outfit, you know, and I have to turn around and go all the way back home. And I was late to work constantly when I'd like never been late in my life. And I was like, what is wrong with me? So many times I would get home at the end of the day or get to work in the morning. I'd look down and there was like, you know, her bag of meds that she was to take before school. And I had never given them to her. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like, something is wrong. 
But again, it was just like I was a single parent. I was in the throes of that and learning this. And I was like, oh, it's just a lot of life changes. You know, that's really what it is. And you know, it'll even out eventually. Well, then I met my husband and we got, I got remarried and I just noticed that it was worse and worse and it was really impacting my relationship with him. I would have a really difficult time like focusing on a conversation with him, having any kind of like uh, good, decent conversation, especially at night after all the kids went to bed and I would be laying down with him and he'd be, you know, oh, I want to talk to you or, hey, let's have some sexy time. And I would be like, I, my mind just could not focus. And I was like constantly somewhere else. And he said, it was like, you know, where are you? Why aren't you here with me? You know, <laughs> like what's going on? And it was making a really difficult situation when it didn't have to. And so uh, I had been talking to a friend who had recently been diagnosed. And I was like, well, how did you like figure out you had this, what made you go? And she started talking to me also. And I was like, okay, that's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. And it just really started checking. I checked all the boxes and I was like, oh, so I went online and I took like some adult ADD, you know, quiz. And it basically was like a quiz you wanted to fail, but I passed with like overwhelming colors. <laughs> I got like a 97%. It was the only test I ever wanted to get an F on and I didn't. And I was like, okay, this is, yeah, something is definitely wrong. So I made an appointment with my PCP, my primary care doctor, and I went to see him and I had printed off the results and literally wrote down like pages of information of what had been going on for years and how I felt and when it got worse and what was going on now. And um, as a nurse, I was like over prepared for this whole thing because I wanted to have all of my evidence and all of my differentials. Well, I thought it could be this, but it's not, you know, and I took it to him and I walked in and I was prepared to make like this huge speech. It's why I have ADHD and you need to, you know, treat me. And he goes, what are you here for today? And I said, well, I think I have ADHD. And he goes, oh, okay. Well, my overwhelming uh, practice, you know, shows that with adults, they are 99% of the time diagnosed themselves and they're correct. He goes, so if you think you have it, you more than likely do. Let's get you some testing. And I was like, what? Like it threw out my whole like plan. And I was like, oh, uh, okay. So he sent me to a neuropsychiatrist and I went there and it was just a computer test because obviously I'm well beyond school age. So they didn't need any like, you know, teacher's assessments or anything, but I did this 30 minute um, assessment on the computer and it was the most boring thing I have ever done in my entire life. And I think it's obviously designed that way, but oh my God, it was the worst 30 minutes of my life. And there was just a bunch of like repetitive do this or like remember these words that it said. And by the time it got to the point where you had to like type the words out, I had no clue what any of them were because I was just like, I could not focus. And so I finished this whole thing and the nurse comes in and says, okay, you're done. Do you want to print out of the results? And I'm like, oh, sure, I'll take one. And so I'm in line checking out and I'm looking at the results and they have like little dots on like a graph that like show you where you are according to like the average of people. And I noticed that my one for attention, there was no dot on the graph. And I'm like, well, how come this one wasn't scored? You know, and I start looking and the, here's the graph and the dot is like way over to the right. It's not even on the graph. I was like beyond, <laughs> you know, like average. And I was like, oh, okay, this is not something I think is how it's supposed to be, right? This is obviously, I probably tested way more for ADHD than I thought I would. So I made an appointment then. The next step was to see my PCP again to go over the results and then, you know, discuss them. And he comes in for that next appointment and he's like, well, I'm sure you probably already figured this out. And he goes, and it's the answer we knew. He's like, but you are overwhelmingly ADHD and attentive. He's like, it's not even like a question. He goes, you, you scored so high on that. He's like, that I'm really not sure how you've managed to succeed as well as you have, you know, with all these issues. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I should be proud of that or like really upset that I've struggled much harder than I needed to, you know? So we discussed meds and I did decide to try some. Um, he, had, he talked about, you know, ones that are shorter acting, longer acting. We decided to go on a longer acting one because at the time I was still working as a nurse and you're not guaranteed breaks even though you're supposed to get them. And I just was like, I don't think I'll be able to find the time to stop in the middle of the day and remember to take a second dose. So we started the long acting one and that uh, definitely immediately on my first dose within like an hour of taking it, my brain for the first time that I can remember in my entire life was like quiet and like there was not stuff running around in it, no thoughts, no random song playing in the background. It was just like, oh my God, is this 
what it's supposed to be like. And it's been that way ever since. I now, um, since being a few years into this and really coming to understand me better, do a combination of meds and herbs. But uh, for the most part, on the days that I still work as a nurse, I use the medications just because I have people's lives in my hands and I don't want to make a mistake, you know, so. But yeah, that was kind of the process. And in the process of doing that, um, I started realizing that my daughter also has a lot of these same symptoms and struggles. And so we're in the process of getting her formally diagnosed, but that's uh, been kind of crazy because of COVID. So yeah, I have the same experience with my son. He's nine. How old is your daughter? Um, she will be nine in uh, May. So she's eight. Yeah. So is she in third grade or fourth grade? Third grade. Yeah. So my son's in fourth grade and it's the same sort of, you know, I, I talked to so many women who just sort of discovered their own ADHD after their child was diagnosed. I didn't have that experience. I, like you, was diagnosed and now I'm looking at both of my children under uh -huh. this microscope and, um, yeah. you know, and, and have been extremely grateful that I'm able to help my son to the degree I am with his remote learning. He's in like a hybrid model now, but, yeah. um, Again, I'm like, God, like I was just talking to him the other night about whether or not he, we were going to get him diagnosed because he asked me, he's sort of like, do you think I have it? And what does that mean? Yeah. And and Definitely. I'm like, God, I don't even want to think about it right now. <laughs> like, I'm like, for now, we're helping you. Yeah. Everything's OK. Once we're back into school again, like full time, then I think we're going to look into then it. I go from there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's kind of how I am with her right now. It's not a rush, you know. Right, exactly. Yeah, because I think so much of the treatment is based on just lifestyle changes and, and having mm -hmm. that awareness of what you actually need in terms yeah. of extra help and structure. And so I feel like a lot of his mm -hmm. treatment has been just my help. Um, and I love that you had a, such a supportive doctor. I also had a very similar experience in, um, you know, showing up with all of this paperwork. I'm not even a medical professional. At least you had that as well going for you. Like I, I just was like, I had all this paperwork and I overstudied um, and I wanted to make sure because if I was so afraid that if yeah. I didn't get the diagnosis, then what? Right. And so, yeah, you know, the, my yeah. <laughs> right. It's yeah. So the, of course. I show up with all this paperwork and she was like, yeah, yeah, don't worry. It's fine. Like you don't have anything to worry about. It's so clear, but it drives me crazy when I hear stories of women who have gone to their doctors who are just so dismissive mm -hmm. and like, they're yeah. just like, no, 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 it's, it's depression, anxiety, or no, you're just a mom of young kids. You know, like all of these ways in which doctors immediately dismiss it either because they're yeah. not struggling enough or like you said, like your doctor was surprised that you were able to be successful in school or successful nurse, you know, and all of these ways yeah. in which um, our own self-awareness and our own self-diagnosis is, is um, like rejected in the doctor's office. And I'm what, like, I feel like you probably were much more well-equipped given your background, but I'm like, what would you... And what advice would you give somebody who experiences that? Because I'm always like, I never know what to say. Like, I'm so in shock other than get a second opinion, obviously, you know, yeah. it just surprises me that there is so, because by the time we get to the doctor, we've done so much research. We know in our bones that this is what it is. And then to yeah. get that rejection must be so devastating. Yeah. Friends come to me and ask me that a lot because they're like, well, you're a nurse, so you felt more comfortable standing up to the doctor. You know, how how would I do that? And I said, well, the first thing you have to remember is the doctor actually works for you. You are paying him or her the, you know, to take care of you. And if they are not meeting your needs, you have every right to fire them and find somebody else who will meet that. They are providing a service just like anybody else. Their service just happens to be medically related. And yeah, they went to school for, you know, eight years or whatever, but that doesn't mean that they know you better than you know you. And so, yes, they have an opinion. Yes, they have this knowledge, but you've done your research. You know you, you know what's going on and you have every right to stand up to them and say, hey, I don't agree with this. I want a second opinion or I want you to look into it better or I want this test run on me because this is what I feel and this is what I want. And if they don't want to do that, that's their right to say no, but then you have the right to go find somebody else and, you know, push and advocate for yourself. It's difficult. It truly is. I've had several doctors, more pediatricians on my, you know, for my daughter kind of like talk down to me and act like, you know, they know more than me. And I was just like, no, you know, you know more about certain medical things than me. That is true. But you do not know my daughter better than me, you know, and I am yes. going to advocate for this and I am going to push you. 
you know, and you will either do what I ask or I will go find someone else because I don't, you know, I don't need to sit here and pay you money for something that you're not providing. I I felt that very much with my kids too, and a pediatrician, which was like getting to that realization when they were babies that I, you know, that they knew they had a general sense of pediatrics, but I knew my child so much better than this person and that I was my job to kind of advocate and interpret that. And yeah, so that's a great point. And I really related to what you were talking about of like, once you do have kids, you know, just sucking at your job and also feeling like you're sucking at parenting. And it's like, how did this, ha- you know, it's like, you can't win. Yeah. It's like, exactly. if I could just do one of them good. Right? Exactly. I know. I and happy, like, whatever. But like, I'm sucking at both. So, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and why For we sure. tend to kind of fall apart when a baby's thrown into the mix like that. I do think a lot of it does have to do with hormones. I've been reading a lot up and researching for my own, uh, you know, business about um, ADHD and hormones and how they interact with each other. And there is overwhelming support that estrogen and the production thereof and how your body uses it actually does cause, you know, worsening ADHD symptoms in women over men, because men who also have estrogen don't have it at higher high levels like we do as women. And so because of that, um, it does really cause more issues with our symptoms and our ADHD as we get older. Whereas men have the opposite experience as they get older and their testosterone levels drop, their ADHD symptoms go the opposite way and get better. Whereas ours tend to get worse because our estrogen levels increase as we get older to help with menopause and get us through that period in our lives. That is super fascinating. I'd, I'd always, you know, I've have heard about um, estrogen levels affecting women and even just the monthly cycle and how symptoms can change on a month to month basis with menstruation. But like, I'd never thought about the male side of it, that there are symptoms, would why their symptoms are so much stronger in childhood and that they, they almost do sort of lend I don't even want to say this because it's too controversial, but I was like, you know, that, that myth that you outgrow ADHD just feels so wrong from a female perspective, but I can almost see why they felt that way with some men, uh, when men were the only people who were being researched. Exactly. Since the majority of research was based on males only, then that would explain why, oh, you can outgrow it. But women have the opposite experience. Um, more so than men because of our hormones changing in a different way than theirs do as they age. Well, now I'm curious too, because I remember listening to a Bill Bryson book. Do you know Bill Bryson? He does those like history of everything books. Yeah, he's super fascinating. I think it was at home. I can't remember. It was either the body or at home, but he was talking about medication and how, you know, almost all medication is only tested on men because of the hormonal fears in, you know, they don't like to test on women. And I'm Mm -hmm. curious, do you know anything about, is that true? And is that, does that extend to ADHD medication? I'm sure it must, right? I know for ADHD medication in particular, and I'm not sure about other medications, though I would err on the side of agreeing with him, was that yes, most ADHD, ADHD medications were only tested on males because they, again, felt it was only a male disorder. So they didn't test the effects of the medications on women like they would for maybe other medications because they didn't really feel that it affected us. So I guess we didn't need testing, you know, and to be included in the trials. So in that case, yes. And that's why I think there is still that stigma of like prescribing, you know, stimulants or other things to women because they just don't have the data to say, yes, this is definitely going to work or, you know, have that information that they need, you know, so. We are the test subjects right now. (laughs) Basically, yeah, we're just all the, the guinea pigs. Hi, it's Katie. As you may or may not know, long before I was diagnosed with ADHD and started this podcast, I'd been coaching women one-on-one for years to help them break free from the vicious cycle of yo-yo dieting and binge eating in order to find peace with food and their bodies. Well, I am so happy to announce that I've recently started small group coaching for women, and it has been so incredible. I can't wait to do more of them soon. Basically, we meet for six consecutive weeks via Zoom in a small supportive group, and we communicate with and support each other in a private online forum throughout the week between our sessions. Each week, we dive deep into our own complicated histories with dieting, 
body image and exercise. And we look at these topics through the lens of our ADHD and why so many of us struggle with binge eating and impulsive overeating and poor body image and self-worth. The list goes on and on. So I'd like to share with you some of the feedback I've been getting from the current participants in the Worth It With Katie group coaching program. Here's what they have to say. I learn so much every week hearing everyone's thoughts, experiences, and perspectives. The weekly support from the group makes you want to keep working and not give up. This has been life-changing. I have stopped binging and my constant hunger no longer controls my day. My mental health has improved and I am much happier than I have been in years. I've been amazed at how much this group has enabled me to feel less shame and more acceptance of who I am and to connect with others around me. My realization that I have ADHD is quite recent and the insights into how this fits in with my history of yo-yo dieting have been revelatory. If you're ready to ditch dieting for good and really nourish your body from the inside out, head to my website, worthitwithkatie.com slash coaching. That's worthitwithkatie.com slash coaching. And when you sign up for the group coaching waitlist, you will automatically receive 20% off your registration for the program. Um, so let's talk about your schooling because you, I, I'm fascinated to think about how being a nurse uh, w- with undiagnosed ADHD for so long, looking back, um, how, what were some of the things that you look back and think like, of course, that was obviously ADHD. I know you said that people, you had been told throughout your life that maybe this was something you had lightheartedly. Um, but I mean, what were there some struggles that were unique to nursing? Cause it's so stressful and so high, such high demand. Yes, and I look definitely. at all those nurses who are outside the hospitals chain smoking and I'm like, yeah, I get it, girl. I understand. <laughs> like, you know, I think about, um, right. We're all a bunch of like secret closet alcoholics and chain smokers. <laughs> I, I know, right. Stress. Cause it's, it's so stressful. Um, but so it's fascinating to me whenever I meet anybody yeah. with ADHD in the medical field. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, the hardest part of nursing school for me was the fact that nursing is very holistic, meaning that we learn about all the body systems and we don't really specialize like doctors do. Doctors go to medical school for four years, which is kind of like that broad scope, but then they go to residency for four to eight years where they really just tamp down and specialize in one thing. Nurses don't get that. We do four years of school and we get that very broad, you know, we learn about all the body systems and all the different, you know, everything, all the different types of nursing you can go into. There isn't really a lot of, you know, specific training. And so because of that, there was some things I found out very quickly that I'm like, oh, I don't like this type of nursing and I don't ever want to do it. And so it made it really hard to be able to like, past those classes because it was just like, I don't like this part of nursing and I don't want to even, you know, get into it ever. And so you still have to pass that class though to, you know, get your nursing degree. And so I always joke that psych nursing about, you know, took me out of nursing altogether because that was our second clinical that I ever did was into psych nursing. And they walked us into this psych ward and I, you know, as a basically I was like a 19, 20 year old kid. I went straight from high school to nursing school. I'd never been in a psych ward. I'd never knew anybody that had, you know, mental health issues. I'd never been around any of that. And so they walk us onto this lockdown unit and they lock all the doors behind us and they're like, okay, good luck. And there's people screaming and there's all this stuff going on. And the nurses are behind glass and locked in this, you know, like nurses station. And I was like, oh my God, what did I get into? Do I really want to be a nurse? This is terrifying, you know? And I don't know if they purposely did that right at the beginning of nursing school to kind of weed out those of us who definitely were not cut out to be a nurse, but (laughs) it was just very like an intense clinical, you know, that I went from, I'd never even been in a hospital outside of, you know, as a patient to now here I am supposed to be in charge of, you know, taking care of patients. And they have us in this lockdown unit. And if something goes wrong, there's nowhere to go, you know? And it was just, it was very frightening and and scary to me as something I'd never had experience with. And I just found very quickly that psych nursing was not something that I was interested in doing long-term. And so it made it really hard to, you know, take the tests and do the studying for it because it just didn't interest me like other parts of nursing did. So that was the hardest part of nursing school was just trying to muddle through and get good grades so you could continue in nursing school 
when doing stuff that just really wasn't very interesting at all, you know, to me as an ADHD person, not realizing at the time that's what it was. I just was like, is everybody else not bored to death with this subject, you know, and everybody else seemed to be fine. So that's when I thought, okay, well, maybe it's just a me thing. And, you know, apparently it was just a me thing, but I didn't realize why at the time it was, you know, a me thing. So that was the most difficult part that I experienced. Um, And I much preferred the hands-on stuff. I've always been a very visual and like tactile learner. And so doing the clinicals and the labs was something that was way more interesting to me than sitting in hours of lectures, learning about, you know, intestines and bodies and how they work. That was interesting. And yeah, I was like, that's great, but let's go like take care of people. (laughs) You know, that's what I really wanted to do. And so it just was a little, you know, difficult some weeks and months as we got through some of that stuff. And then how did you discover herbs and your and herbology? Well, like I said, my parents were a little distrusting of medical professionals growing up. And so we didn't actually see doctors very often. Um, if we were sick, we were, you know, at the herbalist's office or we were at the naturopath's office or my mom was, you know, picking some herbs and she was, you know, giving them to us or we were going to the chiropractor for different things, you know, and we just never, I'm not saying we never saw doctors, but for the most part, it was, you know, very natural minded herbal stuff that we always did. So I kind of grew up with that being like the case. And uh, so going into medicine kind of changed that a little bit in the fact that I don't, I mean, I it's never did. kind of rebellious, no? What did, yeah, what did a they little think bit. going into medicine? <laughs> well, that was a whole nother subject because I grew up in a family that really didn't think that women should be working at all. And if you did work, the only acceptable professions were teacher or um, like secretary, you know, nothing that was going to put you in a position where you were like over other people. There was never a chance of you being like in a leadership position or taking over a company, you know. And uh, your main job was to stay home, get married, you know, have a bunch of babies and stay home and homeschool and raise the kids and take care of the house. That was the main job they pushed all of us to, you know, get into. And so me just relieving all of that and saying, well, I want to go be a nurse, which was something that you are in charge of other people and you are taking control of things was just like foreign to them. And I, I think their minds were just kind of like, you know, because why, well, I don't know why you want to do this, you know, but they, you know, they, they came around to it and they, you know, seemed to be okay, especially because I don't know if I kind of just paved the way being the oldest or, if my sister was more rebellious than we'd realized, but she, uh, she went into medical as well. And she went to become a respiratory therapist. And since we were only two years apart, it was shortly after I left that she was leaving too, to, you know, go do the same thing. So I'm pretty sure we kind of blew the the lids on everything there. About what we were supposed to be doing, you know? <laughs> so it was, yeah. But as I got through school and I did, you know, the nursing stuff, I just found that, um, herbs really do complement very well the, you know, modern medicine side of things. There's a lot of our medications that we prescribe to people that were actually made because of herbs. They found different compounds and stuff in them and different active constituents that really were useful. And they were able to synthesize those and make medicine. One of the most common ones that everybody knows now is aspirin. Aspirin was actually, um, compounded and made from one of the active constituents in Meadowsweet, which is salicylic acid. They discovered that and they were able to synthesize it, pull it out and turn it into aspirin, which everybody knows and uses, you know, all the time now. So a lot of our medications that we use in in modern medicine actually came from the herbs because they would see, well, you know, the Native Americans used it for this and how come it's working for that, you know, and they started really doing a lot of research and found a lot of our modern meds. So to me, it was just kind of a natural transition to transition from, you know, modern medicine to herbs and kind of combine the two of them together and do a, you know, a whole business surrounding that and helping people kind of use the herbs to complement whatever medications they're on or to help with whatever disease process they're going through that could use some more relief that they're not getting from just the modern medicine. And what are some of the herbs that you sort of intuitively uh, were drawn to that now you realize help with ADHD? 
Well, one that most people don't associate with this, which is why I thought at first I was crazy, but, um, you know, ADHD individuals do tend to be more intuitive or maybe just we listen to it more than um, other individuals, but our intuition is really strong about a lot of things. And I just intuitively knew that taking Hawthorne would just help with my ADHD symptoms. And it definitely has. And I've gotten told by several people, many people actually, that, well, that's not what that herb is for. And they are correct in the fact that it's typically known as the cardiac herb. It's like the gold standard cardiac herb, um, Hawthorne is. But ironically, in helping with cardiac issues, it vasodilates and it causes the fact that it now allows more blood flow to your brain at the same time. So I've noticed that when I take it, it increases my focus. And I'm not sure if it's just because of the increased blood flow or if there's something else that it also does that it just hasn't been studied for. But I take that one on um, a regular basis and that really helps mine. I give it to my children and I've noticed it really helps theirs as well. So that was one of those things that was very like, to me, intuitive that I was like, you know, I should take this and that'll help. And, you know, it does, but it's not exactly what it's usually used for. Um, there's a few others that I like as well. Valerian um, really works well for that. Um, and this one I don't recommend all the time for individuals who are looking just because of how it works and the fact that it um, is something you just got to be cautious with. But um, ashwagandha is definitely something too that helps improve focus. But as it's an adaptogen, we have to be very careful and how we use it because it adapts to what your body needs the most. So if your body needs like lots of rest, as you know, us ADHDers, we tend to have insomnia issues as well. So if you take this, it may help with your focus, but it may also decide that what your body really needs is rest and it can just make you very sleepy and or cause you just to fall asleep randomly. And I mean, you could be driving down the road and, you know, that's just so it's very unsafe. It's not something I recommend taking on your own without like the, you know, having someone with some knowledge of herbs, like herbalist like myself or somebody kind of, you know, managing that for you and seeing how it works and ad adjusting the doses needed so that you're not, you know, putting yourself in potentially an unsafe situation. But those are the ones that I use the most for myself and whatnot. And I find that they work, you know, great for that. Um, intuitively, even if some of them, like I said, aren't typically used for that, because that's definitely not the first case, like I said, for Hawthorne. Most people don't think of it as a ADHD herb, you know, at all. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you're a regular listener of this podcast, you know I'm very open about my own experiences with therapy. I've been seeing the same therapist for years, and in fact, it was my therapist who first suggested I had ADHD and set me on this personal path of transformation. But it also took a while to find the right fit for me, which is why it's so awesome that online resources like BetterHelp exist. The service is available for clients worldwide, so there's a broad range of expertise, which may not be available locally for a lot of us. Also, it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. If you visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily, there are actually quite a few reviews that specifically reference help with ADHD. As a special offer for listeners of the Women and ADHD podcast, you'll get 10% off your first month. Simply sign up at BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P dot com slash women ADHD. Um, that is super fascinating. I love that. So when you say it's really helpful, it increases your focus. What is, what else is it doing for you or what, what do you, have you noticed with your kids too? Um, I've noticed that it, it really calms my brain just very much like my stimulant meds do. Like I said, that first day I took my stimulant and I felt like within an hour, like my brain was just quiet. I very much feel that same way with Hawthorne. Um, it just very much makes me feel like my brain is quiet, which if you have the same hyperactive brain, you know, is a very like weird thing to experience when you're not used to that. Um, so which is just nice that way. Um, with Valerian, I've noticed that kind of helps with my anxiety. I have a, I didn't realize I had anxiety until I got my ADHD under control. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, I, I guess I had way more anxiety than I realized when it was suddenly gone, you know? And so the valerian really helps with that part of it where I get anxious about 
starting a task or completing a task or, you know, if I finish this task, then, you know, what do I have to do next? And, you know, like that whole process that our brains go through every time we're trying to figure out how to do something or what to do next. Uh, I've noticed that really helps with that part. So kind of combining them together works well for kind of most of the symptoms that I experience personally. So now it's fascinating to me too. I mean, when you Google supplementation and ADHD, it's just it's the Wild West. I mean, there's so much out there. And we, I, I thought about this when you were talking about ashwagandha, because, you know, so many of us have different reactions to so many different natural supplements. Like think about like pot, for instance, there's half the ADHD population swears by it and says it's mm -hmm. the greatest thing ever. Yep. I personally get paranoid and I get nauseated and I, yep. it's, it, drives me crazy. Like I, there's no possible way I can take it. Um, and then I think about like melatonin, it's a magnesium. These are things that are recommended. I have, they keep me up all night. I've had the exact opposite experience. Just recently I started taking B6. I've had some great experiences with B6 in terms of just my like emotional regulation. And again, that same kind of calm, that calming mm -hmm. feeling you talk about, which I did get with Vyvanse as well. Um, yeah. that was sort of the biggest thing I noticed, which was that, yeah, just like my brain felt calm, but I also didn't notice any difference in keeping to task or some of those things that I struggle yeah. with that I felt still felt very distractible even when my brain was calm um but definitely felt like more like chill like I remember saying to my husband when I started taking Vyvanse I was like I feel kind of like how I imagine people on pot like who, who like pot must yeah. feel like exactly um and, but then with B6, I remember when I first started taking it, the bottle, you know, the, the recommendation was to take it first thing in the morning because it can be disruptive to sleep. And one day, typical ADHD, I have my pills in the like morning and the evening slots of the pill yeah. things. And I accidentally took it at 6 p.m. and was like, oh, great, this will be a fun night. And I ended up having the best sleep I had had in ages. And I was like, hmm, interesting. And so I've started taking B6 after dinner and I sleep like fantastically. I can't remember the last time I've had this great sleep. So I'm like, you just, it's the, like, you just never know. Like, what am I, like, what do you do? Is it just trial by error? Is it just like, or do you really like working with a professional is really going to help with that feeling of just throwing darts at the wall? Um, I totally get that feeling that you were talking about. <laughs> that is definitely how it seems to go. Um, with a lot of things, but I do recommend working with a professional because we have a lot of experience and knowledge of the herbs and how they work. And that definitely helps in our choosing of which herbs we use for individuals. And like me personally, when you come to me and you say, Hey, I really want to get this ADHD under control. I don't just say, Oh, okay, here's some herbs for ADHD. I say, okay, here's my form, fill this out. And 15 pages later, you have filled out your entire health history, your surgical history, other problems that are bothering you. And then we sit down and we have a really long discussion about, okay, now what's really bothering you? How is this affecting you? How does this work? What's going on over here? And you sit there and you tell me your entire story about what's really going on, what's really bothering you. And from that, I extract, okay, well, she is distractible and she is, you know, having some focus issues. But what I'm also gathering is that she's not sleeping well at night, which is probably not helping her focus. So she needs some help with insomnia, even if you never mentioned, hey, I have insomnia. Or, you know, you're sitting there and you're telling me, you know, I feel really fatigued all the time and I just don't have any energy. Well, you're not going to be able to focus well if your body is sitting there telling you you need to sleep or you need to rest. And so what we do then is I sit there and I take all these concerns of, you know, things that maybe you weren't even thinking were part of the problem. And I come up with a, you know, bunch of different herbs and then I narrow down to which herbs will work specifically for that problem. And with herbs, more is not necessarily better. So we don't need to necessarily take 10 or 15 herbs. What you need is two or three herbs that are specific for what you're going through and that can help specifically for that body function and get that together. So then we would choose, you know, just randomly off the top of my head, like, you know, hops for you to help you get some sleep at night, but also help with the focus. And it's a tonic for your nervous system as well. So you want the tonics to be the biggest part of the blend to help your body 
get the rest that it needs and heal itself and focus on, you know, feeling better. And then I'd be like, okay. And you said valerian works for you. So here, let's try some more valerian this time. And, you know, then we would say, oh, well, she needs really help with focus. And, you know, Hawthorne has worked for a lot of my clients. So I'm going to throw some Hawthorne in there as well. So then we'll do that. And then I've noticed you keep, so you said to me, you know, hey, I just find that I don't eat that much because I get so hyper-focused sometimes or I get distracted and I forget to eat. So then we'll throw in some wild oats as well, which is a nutritive and will help your body get the nutrients that it needs, which will also help with focus if you're getting enough. So then we would make this blend and we would decide how it was best to dose it for you. Um, we would do an infusion, which is basically like a tea or a decoction, which is um, also like a tea, but instead of pouring the boiling water over the herb, you boil the herb in the water because those are like used for roots and seeds, things that are harder to uh, just pour boiling water. We need to boil them to extract the nutrients and the active constituents. So we would do that, or we would go with like a tincture. Like if you work outside the home and you're like, I got to take this three times a day while I'm at work. I don't want to have to boil water and dump it over my herbs. Let's say, and I, I get that because I work as a nurse. Trust me, I understand that it's like <laughs> impossible to get away to go boil some water sometimes. So then we would decide that, hey, you know what? I think a tincture format is easier for you because you just have to pour out, you know, two to four milliliters. You slam it back and off you go, you know? So it's easy to do. And that's something you can carry in your pocket at work, you know, or your purse or, you know, whatever you have. And so we would decide which way was best. And then we give it 30 days. We do 30 days where you take it, you know, regularly as the dosing instructions go and follow it. And then after 30 days or right around 30 days, we meet back and we do a follow-up appointment. And I discuss and you tell me, hey, I felt great for the first week. And then the second week and third week, I felt like this. And then the fourth week, I was feeling better again. And we go over how it made you feel. And then we tweak some of the herbs like, Maybe now you're getting too much sleep. You know, okay, so there's too much valerian. We'll back off on the valerian some and see if that helps. And we'll add some more of the hops because your focus was a little better, but not much. So we just, we tweak things and then we give it another 30 days. Um, herbs are wonderful, but they do take time to build up in your system and you do need to give them that time to work. You can't take it for two days and say, I don't feel any different and then quit. It's definitely you know, one of those things where I didn't feel any, you know, thing right away. And you know how our ADHD brains are. We're like, oh, we didn't get immediate satisfaction. So I'm done with it, you know, and unfortunately with herbs, you do have to give them a chance to kind of build up and give your body some time to, especially if you've gone years and years and years without, you know, any kind of treatment for this or anything at all, your body is tired, it's exhausted, it's stressed, and it needs time to recover from that. And so usually depending on what we're treating, um, Anywhere from six months to a year is where we usually work together and, you know, tweak things if we need to. And once we find that like perfect blend for you, then we just do, you know, refills as needed and, you know, off you are on your own. And we, you know, are done with the whole I'm up in your business all the time part of it. But um, I'm always available, obviously, for like help or assistance or if you have any questions or anything like that. But I just find that personally with herbs especially it's best to work with someone who knows what they're doing with them and can help you tweak them so that again you're not like you said just throwing things at the wall and hoping something sticks in this case you would have a much better plan right out of the gate of more things sticking than just a couple here and there well and not only that but just asking the right questions i think that's something that's very difficult for us with a sense you know with inattentiveness and like you said the impulsivity of wanting things to work immediately um i i relate to that so much when it comes to medication but just like that not knowing really what you're even looking for i think that's something yeah. you know when i first started this podcast i was asking every guest, like, are you on meds? What do you mean when they're working? Like, what is Because I sometimes I feel like managing symptoms is a full-time job because there's so yeah. many factors and there's so many questions. And I don't know, today I felt focused, but yesterday I didn't. So does that mean it's work? You know, like, it's just, it's exhausting thinking about that. Yeah. And so sometimes we don't really pay attention to what is or isn't working. Like, are, have you been in a better mood the last two weeks? I don't know. Maybe you should ask my husband. Like, you know, like, like those yeah. sort of questions, I think it's so important to have somebody holding your hand and 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 it's just making you stop and sort of pay attention because I think that's so yeah. difficult for us and then you go to the doctor and they're like are these meds working and you're like I don't know I, I yes no I don't know yeah um Definitely. so yeah I think that's such an important part of of having somebody 
coaching you along on this journey in anything, you know, not only with your health, but also just your business and just life and your relationships and all of this stuff. I think that's something that I've learned um, so much of my own, since my diagnosis is that importance of, Mm. of asking for help in in all areas of life and that there's no shame in that. There's not, it feels like it just because of how we're raised a lot as women in this society, you know, that we're supposed to be the be all end all of, you know, our families. And when we're not, then, well, something's wrong with you and you're a bad mom and there's that, or a bad wife. And there's that shame that comes with it. And there shouldn't be, there's nothing wrong with asking and needing assistance. Everybody needs that. Well, and I think also not only is that there the pressure on us as women, but I think also like we generally are bright people. And so I think we tend to feel like I'm smart. Why does this elude me? You know, and yeah. <laughs> because it's so I think there's the added element of, of being women and feeling like we have to have it all and have it all together. But then also like we are puzzle solvers and it, yeah. it, I think it just like really bothers us when yeah. we can't figure and out and fix that things. problem solving thing. We're really good at solving everyone else's problems. Always. Like <laughs> I can find a solution for anybody's problem right now, if you hand it to me, but so how come I can't find a solution for my problem? What's wrong with me that I can't figure it out for me, but I can figure it out for, you know, Joe blow across the street, you know? And I think that too, there's a lot of that like self-imposed shame as to, well, I can do this for everybody else. or I'm really great at this for everybody else. How come I'm not really great at this for me? And, you know, there doesn't need to be that either. But a lot of that is also, you know, stuff that we get in our childhoods, too. You know, we get that from, you know, the schools or even our families. Like, well, how come you can't do X, Y, and Z, you know? And if you have multiple kids in family, sometimes there's a comparison thing. Well, your sister's doing X, Y, and Z. How come you're not, you know? And I think we get that in our internal monologue. And we start telling that to ourselves, too. And we're, we really need to be more positive and understanding and give ourselves more grace that, you know, it's okay to struggle. It's okay to need help. It's okay to not know the problems, the answers to the problems that you have. And we need to work more on, you know, self-love with ourselves and positive self-talk that we always tell our kids to do and we teach them, but we need to be, you know, doing that better with ourselves as well. Preach. Yes. <laughs> I am preaching to the choir because I totally need to do that, but I don't always. <laughs> yeah. I know. Right. But yeah. So now your business is called uh, the Nomad Apothecary, but that's not just a name. You are literally nomads. We are uh, <laughs> so yeah. I want to tell me the story behind selling your house and um, really kind of taking it on the road with your kids and your dogs and your parrot. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's it's such a, I mean, it fills me with so much wanderlust. Uh, I think it makes perfect sense because I think minimalism is something that we crave and really benefits us. I yeah. love traveling and there's so many days where I turn to my husband and I'm like, can we please just chuck it all and, and move to a trailer? So the fact that you actually did that, I love it. So yes. yeah, tell me that story. Oh, uh, so this was back in... 2019 it was almost a year after my husband and I had gotten uh married and we just we got married in December of 2018 and um come like that January February there was a lot of talk at his job of layoffs coming up and things like that and this was kind of a common thing at his job they were well known Um, in the area that we lived of about every five years having like a massive layoff because they would finish like a big project and then they would lay off all the people that they didn't need anymore since that project was completed. And then like two years down the road, they'd be like, oh, well, we're starting a new project and they'd rehire a bunch of people, right? So they were, it was kind of a cycle thing that they had going on. And so it was reaching the end of a major project. And so we knew that coming up, it was going to be that. And he's like, I just don't know how many more times I can sit here and wonder if I'm going to be cut from my job and we're going to lose the insurance and we're going to lose the stability, you know, and I totally understand that. It's very stressful not knowing, you know, every, as soon as a big project ends, you're going to have a job anymore, you know? And uh, so we kind of just got talking about, well, if we could do anything else besides sit here and work for this corporation who obviously doesn't care about us and doesn't care if they mess up your whole life by, you know, laying you off suddenly, you know, and they always seem to do it right at Christmas time too. It never failed to be like 
end of November, beginning of December, they'd lay everybody off. And so, you know, like we just didn't want the holidays to be ruined and all this stuff. And so we got time, what would we do? And I said, well, I used to do travel nursing. This is before I got married, ever had kids that it was just me and my dog. And I absolutely loved it. It was so much fun. I got to go to different hospitals all the time, different places. And it was just enjoyable because it really helped with that whole ADHD you know, impulsivity thing where you get to bored with the job. So then you just quit it and you go find a new one. But I didn't have to worry about that. I still had the same employer in the same job. And when I got tired of being at one hospital, my time would be up and I'd go somewhere new. So I constantly had that new learning thing going on and everything. And I loved it. And I said, you know, I said, since I had a, a kid and I was, you know, um, suddenly a single parent when I wasn't expecting to be, I said, I, I had to give up that travel nursing and that lifestyle. I said, and I do kind of miss it. I said, so it'd be, you know, interesting to go back into that. And he was like, yeah, yeah, but how are we going to do that? We have four kids now and, you know, we have the two dogs and we have a house here. And like, I, you know, it would just, the logistics seemed unrealistic. Um, but I guess we kind of uh, sparked a fire in each other because before we knew it, we happened to be, you know, the kid put the kids to bed one night and I said to him, I said, oh, I have something I want to talk to you about. He's like, yeah, I got something too. And we literally said the same thing at the same time. I think we should sell our house and move into a camper because <laughs> then we would be able to do the travel nursing and, you know, not have to worry about having so much like overhead and stuff. And my husband's like, no way you've been thinking. I said, yeah. I said, I didn't think it, I didn't know it was a thing because when I was a travel nurse, I was single. I didn't think about needing a camper or anything because I just, stayed in hotels or at Airbnbs and stuff, you know? And I said, so I didn't really think about it. I said, but that just makes perfect sense. I said, I found some YouTube videos. He's like, me too. And so we just kind of talked <laughs> about it and it was hilarious. We just got really, we're on the same page. And so we decided that was February of 2019. And we said, you know what, let's just go ahead and try this. Even if nothing else happens, even if we never actually do the travel nursing, but we just sell the house and we downsize and we get rid of some of our bills, even if, you know, the layoff hits us at the end of this year, like we were, you know, worrying about, we will be okay because we'll have minimized so much stuff that will be good. So we went ahead and we decided that in February, we got a hold of, of uh, my realtor that had sold me the house and let them know we wanted to sell it. And they came back. And so we did the stuff. And by the end of March, we put it on uh, up for sale in the market. And within 30 days, we had an offer on the house. And then we ended up closing like at the end of May. So we decided in February, we wanted to do this. And by the three months later, we were like sold the house and we're signing papers, you know? And so at that point, we didn't really have a choice. Like We had no return, you know? So when we found out that we were definitely, you know, selling the house, we went and we bought the camper and we started moving stuff over slowly. And two weeks, week, something like that before the uh, house closed, we officially moved into the camper and uh, started living in there and just immediately kind of fell in love with it. It was just so nice. Uh, we had so much more time with our kids and even though we had less stuff, we found that we were spending more time together as a family because we were, you know, we didn't have, you know, a TV really anymore. And so the kids and us were glued to it at night. We were playing board games together. We were spending time together. And so we said, even if we don't travel with this, it's great because now we have more time with our kids. And that's truly, you know, something that we really wanted and were hoping for. And then September, end of August rolled around and they started the first wave of layoffs and he got hit with them. And so he gets that whole pink slip and you have to leave. And we were like, oh, great. Now, what do we do? You know, and thankfully, because we had downsized, we were like, well, we're going to be OK. And right around that same time, um, the job that I was working at decided that uh, they weren't hiring any more people, even though we desperately needed some more. So I was going to have to start working like 100 hours a week. And I was like, I don't want to work 100 hours a week for several reasons. The main one being that that is really not conducive with my ADHD, you know, to be uh, working 100 hours a week. And then I'm not going to see my kids or my husband and that, you know, something I really wanted to be able to do. So I called up my uh, old recruiter and I was like, hey, <laughs> what do you think about me getting back into travel nursing? But this time it would be for GI instead of med surge. And she was like, well, I don't know. Let me look into it and see, you know, what kind of contracts are out there. And so she found one that was not too far away in Virginia. And it was, you know, starting within the next few weeks. 
And she said, we can kind of rush the process along and get you in there if that's what you want. And I said, well, let me just discuss it with my husband, you know. So I came to him and I said, look, I said, I don't want to have to work this much. I don't want to have to miss out on the kids. I have this opportunity to go back into travel nursing and we can do it. And he was like, well, you know what? You just never know until you try. So let's just take the leap. And so that's kind of what we did is we just decided I accepted the contract and I signed it. So it was like no backing out at this point. And we just went for it. We uh, traded his truck in and got a bigger truck that could pull our camper better and further and safer and all that stuff. And we uh, downsized even more of our stuff so that it was a little bit lighter and we weren't going to have to worry because we were driving into the mountains of Virginia. And we went and we absolutely fell in love with this lifestyle. Our kids absolutely love it. It has totally helped all of our ADHD. Um, Spending so much time outside in nature and just closer together as a family has definitely been a huge blessing. Uh, My one super, you know, anxious dog has actually gotten better and, you know, done a lot better being in this kind of lifestyle more than I thought she would be. And then last year uh, when COVID hit and it was just everybody was losing their jobs left and right and it was crazy time at the beginning, even though I did get I I lost a contract. I was in the middle of a contract when they canceled it because COVID hit and our unit wasn't having any patients. And so they closed it down. And instead of just letting me float somewhere else in the hospital, they just canceled it all together. We were actually okay because we lived in this small little, you know, thing. We had our own power source and we had our own water source. We were able to like survive. And when I got a new contract, we just were able to pack up and drive over there and do that. And uh, it's just, it was actually... I was very grateful at that point for being a nomad (laughs) because we were able to, you know, not have to worry so much as everybody else did about losing the roof over our heads or our kids not being able to eat, you know, so it was a blessing that we were able to, you know, have this lifestyle. And then May rolled around, which is my daughter's birthday, and she had been begging for about six months for a parrot. And she is definitely one of those ADHD that can hyper-focus on whatever. And she like gave us this whole presentation on why she needed a parrot and how she could take care of it and what parrots did and all this stuff. Cause she'd been watching all these YouTube videos and researching online about parrots. And I looked at my husband and I said, well, you know, we really can't not get her a parrot now. Cause <laughs> like she put all this effort into, you know, telling us why she needs and could use a parrot. So for her birthday last year, we, found a parrot and uh, we bought it and uh, here we are now with two dogs and a parrot and a gaggle of kids in our (laughs) little RV and uh, it's been great and so yeah the name for my business kind of came from that. Uh, I liked the name apothecary because it's the very old-fashioned term for like a pharmacist who compounded their own medicines and that's very much what I do and then the nomad just kind of you know fit in there because that's very much what my lifestyle is and what I offer is the ability to be the herbalist for anybody no matter where they live I don't have to necessarily be you know in the same city as you you can find me online and we can do everything virtually and so no matter where I am you can still get my services so it just kind of really worked out and that is it. That's just being a nomad has been so much fun. We do so much hiking and camping and everything. That's just amazing. And I, I, I feel like so many life stressors would be gone and so many sources of my own anxiety would be solved if I could, if we could live that lifestyle. Yes. It sounds amazing. Yes, definitely. And uh, with the stimulus, the first stimulus that we got, we actually used it to purchase a generator so that, you know, if anything happened campgrounds are notorious for losing power because they get like a horde of people that come in on like the weekends and they all hook up at once and they turn on the power that it you know kills the grid for a little bit and it can be a few minutes or it can be a couple of hours and so we just having that peace of mind that we had a generator so we could always have power has just been you know immensely helpful as well so so how can people reach you? I guess we can, I will have it in the show notes, your website, but why don't you say it here? For, uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Well, Facebook, I have a Facebook group that's called the Nomad Apothecary with Shannon and Master Herbalist. So you can come there and join that group, or you can find me on my Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash health by nomads. And, or you can find me on my Instagram page, which is also at health by nomads. 
and um, form a website, uh, which is thenomadapothecary.weebly.com. And that has all the information on booking like appointments or consults and things that I offer as well as some pre-made herbal um, preparations that I offer on there as well. And then YouTube, I also have a YouTube. It's the Nomad Apothecary on there as well. And that's where a lot of my herbal blurb videos go as well. So there you have it. Thank you for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Women and ADHD podcast. Also, as you know, we ADHDers crave feedback, and I would really appreciate hearing from you, the listener. Please take a moment to leave me a review over on my website, womenandadhd.com, or on Apple Podcasts, or Audible, or whatever other platform you're using. And if that feels like too much, and I get it, then just take a few seconds to give me a five-star rating. Boom, done. Or share this episode on your own social media to help reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this neurodivergent superpower, and they may be struggling and they don't even know why. Make sure to tag me on Instagram or Twitter. I'm at women and ADHD. If you are a woman who was diagnosed with ADHD in adulthood and you'd like to be interviewed as a guest on this podcast, please reach out to me. My email is women and ADHD podcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to know more about me, head over to worthitwithkatie.com. That's where I help other women with ADHD break free from the yo-yo dieting and binge eating cycle for good. I'll see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who has recently discovered that she is not lazy or crazy, but she has ADHD. And now she's on the path to understanding that neurodivergence and finally using it to her advantage. Take care till then. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic, but today work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries, and with that we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton and adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.